we return to John's gospel, we pick up John chapter 10, verses 11 and following what we heard earlier uh, from our reading, and we'll take a look at that idea of Jesus being the good shepherd, the amazing weight behind that, that title, and the, the comfort that is there for you and for me who follow him. Before we jump into our message, let's open with prayer. Sanctify us by the truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. thought for our message today, we would start off uh, with a little game. And we're going to be coming back to this game throughout the sermon. But, but here it is. If you're taking notes too, you can fill in the blanks. Pick your pastor. Pick your pastor. If you're new to 92 Ministries, St. Peter and the Corps, there's five of us pastors here. So lucky you, right? So five pastors. And I'm Pastor Bill Monday. I have uh, the blessing of serving our families and family and youth ministry. So if I haven't had a chance to meet with you, I'd love to after the service today or if online, if, if you'd like to connect to, uh, I would love it. Well, let's start with this game, Pick Your Pastor. What if there weren't five pastors here at our church, 92 Ministries, St. Peter Campus, or the core? There wasn't a family pastor yet that had been picked for the school, for other services here too. What kind of pastor would you want? So there's no Pastor Tim, no Pastor Jim, no Pastor Mike, no Pastor Michael, no Pastor Bill. Again, maybe that would be ideal for you guys. But let's just at least admit this. You're not going to find a better looking group of guys than you already have. Am I right? So <laughs> just um, it's not true at all. At least for me, it's not. You get to pick five new pastors. And as you're thinking about that, can I define a little bit what pastor is? We've got it up there. You know, pastor means shepherd. And already from the scriptures, we can probably see, oh, yeah, that illustration is used a lot in the Bible about God being a shepherd for his people and those that he would send. They're shepherds. Uh, it comes from a Latin word, uh, pescere, which means to lead to pasture. You almost hear it, pescere, pasture, pastor. So when Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd, as we'll see in a moment, he's saying, I'm the good pastor. Uh, and good in the Greek there, too, that, that, that literally means perfect. I'm the perfect pastor. So for all you Bible nerds out there, there you go. I, I got you covered. There. <laughs> so a couple things. Pastor means shepherd. Good pastor is the perfect pastor. Only Jesus is that. So you got some ideas? What kind of pastors would you pick if the slate was clean? What would you look for? I'll tell you the categories of pastors that are out there. There's uh, two major categories, and then there's this kind of smaller group of pastors. I'll talk more about that in our message a little bit later. But the, the first two groups, you got kind of the old school pastor. Maybe not as popular in our Western culture today, but maybe a generation or two ago, there were the fire and brimstone preachers kind of pastors. Uh, the pastors that you were a little intimidated by, like you never really wanted them to notice you because they might just call you out in the middle of a sermon and tell you what your sin is. or what Fire and brimstone kind of preachers. You trembled a little bit if you ever had to kind of come into their office sweaty because, well, they were so close to God and you just didn't want to step out of line, right? Uh, they, they really kind of lived out. Jesus said that broad is the way that leads to destruction and many walked down it. Narrow is the way that leads to life, and few are those who find it. They were definitely going to make sure you knew 
that few find the way to life. You may not be one of them. They, they seem to be the Bible thumpers of the past. There are still some around today. Um, they seem to love the Bible. But you wonder if they really do because they don't necessarily love, love people. And the Bible was written for people, right? A, a classic example of these kind of pastors were the ones that Jesus was confronting in John 10. They were called Pharisees. Pharisees that were keeper of the word of God. And they weren't just content with the word of God, but they would make up rules and laws and hundreds of extra laws just to let you know how perfect and holy God is. They would be the ideal of righteousness, and the regular people would be far from that. Jesus had the most stinging and condemning words for such people. We'll, we'll see that when Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. Now, historically, it's kind of interesting. Where did these Pharisees come from? They came from a time, hundreds of years before, where God's people were scattered like sheep without a shepherd. They were in exile in Babylon. And you don't necessarily have to remember that history, but just know this. These Pharisees came about because in times past, the people kind of had, well, pastors for hire. Or you could just hire a guy. He'd come along and tell you what you wanted to hear. And this is the other group of pastors that are out there today and, and maybe more popular today Times past, kind of a return to the time of the kings of ancient Israel, where prophets and pastors would say, oh yeah, you love the Lord, and the Lord is going to bless you. We've got his temple, we've got the word, you'll be fine. Doesn't matter if you live like the nations, you can do what you want. Very accepting, very tolerant of even things that, well, God didn't tolerate. And so they would look at God's word and say, oh yeah, it's good and kind wherever God is loving, but boy... You know, some of these strict laws, some of these words of judgment, uh, that just was for a different place, different time today. The main thing is that the law of love prevails. You can do what you want. As long as you call on the name of the Lord, you'll be fine. And I suppose you can define whatever Lord you want. It was for that reason they were scattered. They were sheep without shepherds. And God's heart was broken from both groups of false pastors, whether they were tolerant, love the people, never mind the Bible, which you can't really love people if you don't love God's thoughts about them. And God was heartbroken by the Pharisees who kept people from God's kingdom too. So those are the two major groups of pastors even to this day. There are those who kind of turn grace into a license to sin. And then there are those who slight grace for the law and it's on you to win favor with God and good luck. So out of those two groups, you got any pastors in mind? Maybe there's a third group, and, and there is. And, and that leads us to not so much who we would pick as far as pastors, because by nature, we, we'd always get it wrong. Our, our nature is flawed. But praise God, the better question is, what kind of pastors would God pick? What kind of shepherds would God have for his people? He gives us the good shepherd. He gives us Jesus so you don't have to worry about who is leading you and whether they're leading you to God. God will be your shepherd. And God will send shepherds, pastors, that will reflect him. And we'll get into the details of that as Jesus leads us in the second part of John. For now, why don't we take a look at John 10, 
verse 11, and see this amazing claim. Again, a claim that might be a little lost on us, as we said before. None of us are raising sheep today. We don't necessarily know that relationship of sheep and a shepherd. But Jesus, what he's saying here is everything. And it's divisive and controversial, yet it's for our comfort. So Jesus says to the crowd, and especially in the hearing of this opposition, these false pastors, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, and that's what he's calling false pastors, is not the shepherd, does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, the devil with all his lies, whether about God or about how to love others, when this false pastor sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep when they need him the most, and he runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. That was true for the Pharisees. When times got tough, they left the people to fend for themselves. It happens today with false pastors too, who tolerate and accept whatever. When, when their popularity wanes, where are they? Let's think about that, that term, though, that beautiful term, the good shepherd. This has got some historic, ancient weight behind it. And again, it's very practical, even for this day, as ancient as this title is. Uh, but permit a little history lesson here, too. You think back on the Old Testament, if you're somewhat familiar with the history of God's people, this people that were made a special people for a time so that a Savior could be born for all the world. The first, the ancients of that people... Do you remember what their profession was? Starting with this man named Abram, Genesis 12. He was uh, called out of the nations to be a special family group. Abram, or Abraham we know him as, the father of the faith, he, he was originally a shepherd, kind of a nomad. He was called from one country that he knew well to some other country he had never been to. And that would be the promised land, and Jesus would be born there. Anyway, he, he was a shepherd, and he was watching his flock. His nephew was a shepherd, too. And their flock got so big, they had to separate. And then Abraham had a son, Isaac. Isaac had another son, Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. Guess what? They were all shepherds before their claim to fame. They end up in Egypt, and there's shepherds down there. So they had to live separately from the Egyptians because Egyptians had no time for shepherds. They were filthy people. So they lived in a different spot, Goshen, and then they were enslaved, and they were slave labor, but they were still shepherds at heart. Moses would come about, about 1500 BC we're talking, so 1500 years before Jesus. And do you remember what Moses was before he became the redeemer of Israel, rescued them, the deliverer? He was a lowly shepherd, kind of living in exile himself for 40 years, and he met up with God in a burning bush while he was shepherding. Fast forward another 500 years, God's delivered his people. They're in the promised land. They're a nation now, and they want some kings, and so they get this king, David. David was the second king of, of Israel. Do you remember where Samuel found him to anoint him as king? He was shepherding. He's watching over his flocks by day and night. Almost sounds like Bethlehem, right? That was King David. He was a shepherd. And then he became king, and that's why he inspired the greatest of psalms that are known today. You know Psalm 23. 
The Lord is my shepherd. If you want to take notes in there, in your bullets in there, the Lord is my shepherd. The Jewish people recognized that if you were to call yourself shepherd, and no one ever did, like the good shepherd, that you were saying you were God. You were saying you were the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He causes me to lie down in green pastures by quiet waters. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, your rod, your staff is there to comfort me. You prepare a nice table before uh, me in the presence of my enemies. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. Why? Because you're my shepherd. When Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd, the people were hearing the voice of God himself. I am God. I am the shepherd. Never mind these people that are leading you to destructive ways. You're going to see at the end of the text that people were divided. He thought he was crazy or that he was a good shepherd. There's a lot more history to this too in the times of the exiles when there are false pastors everywhere. Ezekiel was inspired to proclaim some amazing things about this shepherd who is God and what he would do. It's the same time at Jeremiah, our earlier reading, where we confessed our sins, looking for a shepherd to forgive. Ezekiel would say something amazing, that God himself would come and he would be the shepherd. And he would win back the scattered flock. So note this, Ezekiel 34 says, The Lord himself will seek, he himself, in flesh and blood, somehow, miraculously, in, in the days ahead, and that would be the days of Jesus, he would rescue his people and show what it means to be a good, faithful pastor so that God's people can have real peace and life forevermore. So Ezekiel says this, The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, God would call Ezekiel this humble term, son of, son of man. Jesus would have this as a title for himself too. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds, the false pastors of Israel. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to you shepherds of Israel who only take care of yourselves. Should not the pastors take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with the wool, and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not care of the flock. Therefore, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I myself will do it. This is why the first audience of Jesus here, hearing this great claim, which, I mean, we think is amazing, the Lord says, I'm... I'm the good shepherd. Okay, great. No problem. Back then when they first heard it, oh, that's a divine claim. Who can go around saying that they're God? And it's not only a divine claim, but it's divine judgment on all false pastors of all time. And that is everything for us. Because don't you want to know at the end of the day, the guy that's up front is being faithful to what God has in store for you. So let's think about Jesus' words against all false pastors and ask, do you know which pastors that you should pick to lead you back to God? Should we pick the ones that are overly tolerant, that really dismiss God's word for what seems to be loving? Should we pick the ones that are, well, 
so full of fire and brimstone that there's no room for grace and that you're just left uncertain how God really feels about you? Or should we pick the ones that God picks for us? Where you know his grace and his truth and you flourish even as we put to death that which causes us to stray. Obviously, that's the way to go. But what does that look like? Well, I want to give you three thoughts. And this will come from our next section with John 10, 14 through 15, 17 through 18. Jesus is going to share with us three qualities that make him the good shepherd and three qualities that every person who wants to be a faithful pastor will reflect. Jesus says this again against all false pastors. He says, I am the good shepherd. And number one, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. The second characteristic, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And the reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. He's hinting at the third one. I have authority to lay it down, my life, and authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my Father. So here are the three things. Again, if you're taking notes, Jesus, to be the good shepherd, he's all about his own voice, the teachings of God, no more, no, no less. Even if it's difficult, even if it makes the crowd upset, Jesus is going to speak the truth full of grace. And it all leads to Jesus' sacrifice. He's going to prove himself by taking the sins of the flock and dying for that as the shepherd turned lamb. All at the cross. And finally, it's all about Jesus' resurrection. It's all about his proving himself by not staying dead. Anyone can die. But to come back, that is God. That is his work alone. The work of the good, perfect shepherd. So I want you to ask yourselves, as, as you think of those three, think about your five pastors that you do have. Sorry to tell you, no getting rid of us just yet. <laughs> But hopefully, thank you, I appreciate it. Hopefully, hopefully today, knowing that your pastors, none of us are perfect, we need grace. Hopefully, you'll find in these imperfect people that lead 922 that we're all about those three things. So, I want you to ask yourself are your five pastors that you have, Tim, Jim, Mike, Michael, and Bill, are. Are we all about Jesus' voice, no more, no less? And think about this sermon series, Jesus Unfiltered. That sounds like we're all about Jesus, never mind what we have to say. We just want to give you his voice, all his teaching. I mean, you see that in our starting point class, our new member class. What do we talk about? We talk about, for 10 discussions, an overview of all that Jesus taught and why. And we get into difficult things. We get into things that make us uncomfortable which is the nature of the truth. But we pray you see it's all wrapped in grace. I pray that you see five pastors that, yes, are accessible. Yes, are accepting and welcoming like Jesus who went to everyone. But don't bend the truth. We'll talk to you about how there is only one way to life and that is Christ. 
as well-intentioned as other people of other faiths may be. There's only one good shepherd, and he proved that by his death and resurrection. That's the only way our, our sins can be forgiven, and we're all in the same boat that way. And, and I, I pray that when you hear the shepherd's voice about his views on how to really love other people, that as difficult as that is in our Western world, where anyone can do whatever they want as long as they hurt none, that Jesus has a different way. Yes, you love all people, but the truth also stings. The truth is very difficult, which is why at the end of this text, people walked away from him. That's Jesus unfiltered. That's the message of us five pastors in our assemblies and worship and Bible study and in our counseling, which, which kind of leads to the next thought. Do you see in your five pastors, and you can go back to number two, Jesus' sacrifice. When you hear us talk about whatever struggles that you are going through, I hope you hear like a broken record. Jesus can handle that all is proven in his cross. And then if you struggle with anxiety or worry or health issues or whatever else, like a broken record, we hear, we're listening, and we're honest. I don't know exactly what path God has in front of you right now, but I do know this. Everything you need is at the cross. It's Christ and him crucified. We all go through death in some way. But God has a plan in the darkest of hours. He has peace and forgiveness and love. And there's a resurrection coming. We might give you all these tools to handle whatever else. But central to our teaching and preaching is Christ crucified. Which is horrific. But at the same time beautiful. So reminded of that. I was given a a sermon at a wedding, and this is before I got here, oh, in Chicago. It was a travel wedding, and uh, I thought I did a good job. And, and my, I, a lot of times I think I do okay with my sermons, but this one, I thought, hey, this was a pretty good sermon. I'm outside, and they're taking pictures of the wonderful couple, and I overhear a group of people, and, and a girl says, she must have been in her early 20s, she's like, what was up with that sermon? It was all about Jesus. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm not sorry? I <laughs> don't I thought I shared a little bit about the love of the couple, but what really matters is God's love, Christ crucified in that couple's marriage. I hope it's a broken record to you. We talk a lot about the kind of life you can live and the Spirit's fruits, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, but it's all about being rooted in Jesus, which is death to the old self and salvation as a new self is alive. Which gets to the last part. Faithful pastors will preach with authority. But do you know this? It's not because of their charisma. It's not because of any uh, imaginative or creative or ingenious thinking on their part. It is based solely on what the good shepherd did. What do I mean by that? When we talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we're not talking about some spiritual resurrection. We're not talking about some kind of dream that isn't real mythology. We're talking about a real historical empty tomb. Jesus came back, and that's our future, we who trust in him. But we're also talking about how that proves that this book here, God's word is true. It's without error. It might be difficult to handle in certain aspects. It might be confusing, but that's not the word's fault. That's our heart. And in time, and through much more study, 
the Spirit will make it clear to us. But we never shortchange the word. Jesus' resurrection proves why we should not. That is his voice. And so we go full circle. And in all that, we see all the truth, warts and all, if you will. And yes, we see grace, but we see Jesus unfiltered. It's a tough picture, but it's beautiful at the same time because it's life. Are those the kind of pastors that we pick? Well, I give praise to God. I'm looking at a flock of God who has decided in the pastors you have, again, imperfect, but pastors that are striving for that. Let's take it to the last part of our text where we'll see this division in the crowd. Having heard those words of Jesus, they were again divided. Many of them said, he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. The implication, this is the good shepherd talking. This is God himself. Praise the Lord. Kind of reminds me of a story then, this whole conversation, Jesus unfiltered. There's a 13-year-old boy who was very much loved by his mother. Uh, his mother always uh, took him to school, dropped him off, even though he was of age where he could walk the distance. He was always there to volunteer in the cafeteria. Loved her boy, loved the school, loved the kids. Always there at every game, every event. I mean, you would always, wherever you saw him, you would see mom. The thing about this mom, though, she... Uh, she was disfigured. She had horrible, horrible scars across her face. And you could tell that one time, in a worldly sense, she, she was beautiful. But now, it was not easy to look at. And as the boy became 13 and had kind of grown in self-awareness, I guess he started noticing that his friends had noticed. I, he never thought much of it. He loved his mom, but, boy, but his friends... Uh, they were saying things now. In fact, one day as he was getting back into his car, right before she pulled up, he heard them saying, hey, there's the monster again. Do you see her? Oh, could you imagine having her as a mom? And so the 13-year-old boy runs to the car. He gets in the door, slams the door shut, and he says, look, look, Mom, can you just stop, stop picking me up? And, and, you know, I can walk to school, too, so I, I don't need you taking me to school, and I don't need you showing up for lunch every day, okay? You don't have to do that anymore, and I don't need you at my games and events. You're always around me. Just let me be. I, I'm a young man. I can, do, I can do this on my own. I don't need you here. She, from the conversation, realized, okay, I know what's going on. She turned to her son and said, I think it's time you, you learn where these scars came from. She said, when you were a boy, this is the baby, our house caught fire. The uh, laundry room, the electrical issue underneath your, your bedroom and hallway floor. And by the time I noticed, the hallway was already filled with smoke and flames. And I, I knew that nobody else could get to you. And so I ran through the flames. And I got to you, you were sound asleep. And so I, I took your blanket and I wrapped you up as best as I could to protect you. And, and I knew I had to face those flames again, and that's what I did. And they ran through those flames, and, and that's how I got these scars. Well, son, I, I love you, and if you don't want me to take you to school, I, I, I won't take you to school. If you don't want me to pick you up, that's, that's fine. 
love you. And, and if you don't want me to go to your games, I get it. I, I won't go. I, I want you to be happy. And, and if you don't want me to show up and volunteer, that's fine too. But I, I bear these scars because of my love for you. And the conversation stopped there, and it hit them like a ton of bricks, and they just drove home and quiet. Friends, Jesus unfiltered is pretty ugly. When he says he's the good shepherd, those are fighting words. When he goes to the cross, it's even uglier. He is scarred because that's the only thing that can take care of our sins. And when he speaks the truth, it will make you uncomfortable in your life at times. But when you see those scars, know that he bears them out of love and grace and redemption. No one could love you more than him. And faithful pastors will be just as awkward and weird and scarred. But they're worth their salt. They will just give you Jesus' voice, no more, no less. They will always proclaim Christ crucified no matter how tiring it gets. And they will proclaim hope that you're a victor by the resurrection of Jesus, and with authority, heaven is your home, and you're at peace with God now, and that's all that matters. So we're praying, we five pastors and leaders here too, that you'll embrace all, all of that, and that you'll love Jesus, and that, that you'll pick pastors who proclaim that Jesus is the good shepherd, and all that comes with it. And I give... I, I give praise and thanks. I am looking at people who want pastors like that, who want nothing but Jesus, the good shepherd, unfiltered. Keep walking that path. Keep listening to the shepherd's voice. And there's life ahead. Amen.